you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode number 77, the Vincent episode of the Banner Branch Podcast. I'm your host, favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? Hope you had a great weekend. I had a delicious weekend. Delightful, really. I attended a sporting event. I went up to the NASCAR races because for those of you that don't know, I am also not only a diehard Celtics fan, I am a diehard NASCAR fan. And I went up and I watched cars take left-hand turns for a few hours up at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. I felt safe. It was great, and if you enjoy NASCAR and you enjoy this podcast, well, (laughs) I have the thing for you. The Wicked Fast Podcast, Season 5, Episode 169, out later on this week on all your favorite podcast apps. But let's focus on what's important here, and that is the Boston Celtics. That is why you listen, and I appreciate that you listen. You can find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBancher18 or on Facebook and Instagram at BannerBancherPodcast. So the Celtics played some real basketball this weekend, like meaningful basketball. Some frustration, some some greatness, really. It was uh, a very up-and-down weekend, in the words of Ron Burgundy, a glass case of emotions, if you will. Celtics went 1-1 one one this weekend. They played on Friday and yesterday, and they have four upcoming games this week. Four games. Holy crap, right? Now, we need to focus on Wednesday because I, I have a small announcement. I applied. I submitted some information uh, to the Boston Celtics to be one of the virtual fans that you see up on the the Jumbotron up on the court where you saw Paul Pierce yesterday like flipping out against the Portland Trailblazers and I'm I applied for the Wednesday night game against the Brooklyn Nets so here's to hoping that I get on and I can literally lose my mind on TV and maybe we can make a gif out of it or something. But yeah, that's that. So let's start with what happened over the weekend. Celtics lose to the Bucks 119 to 112, but then they beat the Portland Trailblazers 128 to 124. Now, we have the four games that we have this week. They play tomorrow, if you're listening on Monday. Um, they play Tuesday night at 6.30 p.m. against the Miami Heat. And then each team during the bubble has to play one back-to-back. And so the Celtics back-to-back is this week they play the heat on tuesday and then they play the brooklyn nets like i just mentioned wednesday night at 9 p.m then friday night probably the biggest game of the week 9 p.m against the toronto raptors who recently just beat the los angeles lakers a very impressive one for those of you that watched it and then sunday against the orlando magic at 5 p.m who actually just lost jonathan isaac one of their key bench players long lengthy athletic individual to a torn ACL he was recovering from previous injury so a bummer not only for the Orlando Magic but for the NBA because he is such a young and great talent so I mentioned the Bucks they beat the Celtics 119 to 112 and first off let me just 
say that I understand the frustration with the referees in the Bucks game. I get it. I don't like to talk about the refs. I don't like to complain about the refs. I hate that. So let me get let me just get this off off my chest. The Giannis Antetokounmpo nut slap in plain English to Daniel Tice didn't really look like a nut slap. I think Daniel Tice kind of sold it a little bit. If if I'm going to be frank with you, I I think that he it wasn't even close to hitting him in the groin at all. He sold it, and that's why I don't think that they called a foul. I think if they actually if Giannis actually hit him in the nuts, in the testicular area, then it would have been a foul. And he would have fouled out. So I think Tice selling it a bit didn't help the cause. The Marcus Smart call, the offensive charge. Let's break this down from start to finish. Number one, if Smart kept his original position, it would have been a the proper way to set up for an offensive foul. But his foot was in the circle. So if they go and review that, it's automatically an offense, you know, a defensive foul. It's a block. But now that Smart took his foot out, Giannis was already in the air when Marcus Smart's when Marcus Smart's foot was moving. So you need to be set before the defender leaves for the air. So if the defenders are already in the air and you're already sliding, the the offensive player has the right to that position. So either way, if Marcus stayed put, it would have been reversed, and he was late when he moved his foot. So it's a lose-lose either way. So everyone needs to get over that. And then the goaltending call, that one is upsetting. I get it. Yana, there were a couple, I would say 9 out of 10 views, looked like he goaltended. But it's tough for the referee. I'm not defending the refs here, but it's tough for the referees to defend that and make that call in that moment. So I get it. I get it. It's frustrating, but I get it. Now, the other 95% of the game and why the Celtics lost, or I'll even say 94%. If you want to blame the refs for the 1%, fine. But just a reminder, the Celtics had 34 free throws and the Bucks had 34 free throws. So refs missed some calls and it sucks, but let's move on from it. But we can blame 94, 95% of the game on Jason Tatum for a horrific shooting night. Two of 18. Awful. Just awful. He came out so rusty. And I didn't really want to buy the whole players are rusty thing because I was a little frustrated that Brad Stevens didn't play the starters at least in the first quarter of the Rockets game. Now, I understand the Rockets played their starters for the first three quarters, but it's really tough to be rusty when you're practicing for two weeks and then you come back or you fly down to Orlando, you practice some more, you play a couple games. Like, the rust can't be there. Like Tatum would get a night off every once in a while and come back and, and be perfectly fine, right? So I can't really accept the rust, but oh my God, he came out really rusty. He tried to force things against a really good interior defensive team. The The Milwaukee Bucks are one of the best teams at defending the rim, and Jason Tatum tried to beat that, and it just screwed him up. And he couldn't even get to the line because I feel like Tatum's just one of those guys that once he sees it goes go in, it's a good thing. For example, he didn't start off that great against the Portland Trailblazers, but once he hit that step back three early in the game, things started clicking and things started going in for him, which is why he scored over 30 points. So I think Tatum needs to be smarter 
realize what's going on, and then just kind of go from there. So, yes, he played awful. Yes, it happens. Yes, we shouldn't crucify him for it. But, man, I was very angry at him. But if we blame, let's say, 94% on Jason Tatum and 1% on the refs, we still have 5% left. So here are my other five issues that I have about the Milwaukee Bucks game. Number one, you aren't going to win a lot of games if Marcus Smart is your leading scorer. It's just not going to happen. Now, did he play great? Did he shoot the ball well? Sure. Marcus Smart scoring 22, 23 points. If we could get that every single night when he comes off the bench, holy guacamole, that would be delightful, wouldn't it? It would just be fantastic, but it's just not going to happen. So when Kemba is on a minute restriction and Jalen is in foul trouble, which I mentioned, did I not mention that last week? I was super concerned that Jalen Brown was going to be too aggressive because I love how aggressive he is, but sometimes he's too aggressive and he's in foul trouble. And you'll find out in a little bit who the stud and the dud is. It's not Jalen Brown, but some, but Jalen Brown affected what the dud had to do in certain situations against the Milwaukee Bucks game. The next 1% is Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker being on, on a minute res- restriction didn't help anyone. It didn't help the rotations. It didn't help the team. He came out looking good. He came out looking strong. He came out being aggressive and quick. Like I had no complaints about how Kemba played in the Bucks game. It's just something that we have to be patient with. And more importantly, Kemba has to be patient with. You could see how frustrated he was at the end of the game. He mentioned that he meant, uh, said something to some of the coaches on the bench. He also seemed very frustrated uh, in the Portland Trailblazers game, like his head was wrapped around in a towel, like he was probably screaming inside of it, losing his mind, especially when the Trailblazers cut their lead down. So Kemba not being out there as much as we want him to sucks, but we have to be patient because game one or game two of a seed-in little tournament thing is not as important as game four when his minute restriction might be lifted in round two of a playoff series. So that's just what we need to realize. These games are important, but if we have to suck up Kemba Walker only playing 20 minutes now so we can play 40 minutes later on in the playoffs, that is, that's the mindset Kemba needs and we all need because I'm pretty sure the trainers, the athletic staff, Brad Stevens, Danny Ainge, you name it, they already have that mindset. The other 1%, the slow starts. The slow starts versus the Milwaukee Bucks isn't helping anyone. They're not helping the Celtics. They're not helping my mindset. They're not helping anyone's health at all. It's absolutely crazy. And you're like, well, they don't start off slow all the time against the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, they're, you know, they beat them earlier in the year. Yeah, I understand that they beat them earlier in the year. Opening night at the Garden this year when the Celtics beat the Milwaukee Bucks, the Celtics were down 16 at halftime. And you're like, okay, well... You know, the January game, they, they cut it down to like four or five points. And yeah, they were also down 18 at halftime too. So they're literally down 17 to four. Technically, it should have been 17 to two if you actually think about it because of that goaltending call. I mean, they technically scored the first nine. The Bucks technically scored the first 19 points of that game. So it's 17 to four with what? Maybe four minutes to go in the first quarter, maybe even more. That's not a good start. If you're going to play this team in the Eastern Conference Finals, I promise you, they are better at holding the lead than you are. Now, I understand the Celtics came back, they got a one-point lead at one point, and then the rotations got a little crazy, and they lost the lead, but the Bucs are a much more reliable team when holding the lead than you are. See the Trailblazers game, which we'll talk about in a second. Now, two more reasons why I really wasn't happy with the Celtics, outside of Jason Tatum. 
Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens, you, my friend, I love you to death. I'm glad you can be wearing your polos instead of a suit and tie. But you, uh, Gordon Hayward's been great. He's been probably, you could argue, the best Celtics player down in Orlando since the real games have started, basically the first two games. You could argue he's the best player. But he's also not a number one scoring option. I think the reason why Gordon Hayward's playing so well is because he can be the two and the three. He can't be the one. Because with Gordon Hayward, he is also a great facilitator. But the issue is, is you know, when he backs it up to about the half-court line and does his dribble between the legs, looks for a screen, and then goes and attacks the paint, if he stops on a dime at the elbow, which is one of his favorite shots, and he needs to kick it out to someone because someone, for example, like Brooke Lopez, takes a step out knowing that Ennis Cantor is over, you know, like over down on the baseline and he's not going to hit a jump shot, that is an issue for Gordon because then who is he going to pass it to? The reason why it's great that he's the number two scoring option is because now the team's defense has the opposing team's defense has to be changed completely around and the rotations are different. And if one person misses a rotation, that leaves an open shot for someone. So I just need someone else on the court with Gordon that can score the ball. And I think the Celtics rotations will be a lot better. And then finally, we actually have to give some credit to the Milwaukee Bucks defense. The Milwaukee Bucks played some great defense on the Celtics all night. They defended the rim very, very well, like I mentioned earlier. So if your shots aren't falling and you aren't getting to the line, you aren't going to beat them. You're, you're really not. It, it, it's going to be tough if you're missing open shots and then you try and get fouled, but they have a couple guys defending you and they go straight up. Like, Brooke Lopez is pretty good at going straight up. A couple times, you, it, he didn't go straight up. I'll agree with you there. But overall, they're a very tough interior team you know like I'm glad Jalen got to the line early he was aggressive you just have to be really aggressive against that team but if it's not working out you, your shots better freaking fall I'll tell you that right now before I move on to the Trailblazers game uh, just off the top of my head a couple other positives like Daniel Tice had a hard-fought double-double I really like the way that he played I mean when you look at this you know when you look at the box score, you're like, oh my god, Daniel Tice took 13 shots. But if you listen to Jeff Van Gundy during the broadcast of the game, because I watched ESPN because I was at a bar versus you know NBC Sports Boston. And I'm, who knows, maybe Scal said the same thing too. But Jeff Van Gundy said, if Daniel Tice is this open, he should shoot the ball. And I completely agree with him. Brooke, Brooke and Robin Lopez gave him no respect. Like They just completely disrespected him. Like, go ahead and shoot it. I don't mind Daniel Tice taking a couple three-pointers a game especially when he's that wide open. If he catches it and he looks around and there's like at least a second or two of open space, take the shot. I don't mind Daniel Tice doing that. It's just I don't like when Daniel Tice like gets it at the elbow and someone's coming and flying at him from like three different directions, someone from the wing, someone from the paint. I don't like that. So, But if Daniel Tice is wide open at the top of the key and his defender is like below the foul line, shoot it. I'm okay with that. I'm content with that. Go ahead and do that. Again, um, what else did I want to talk about? Oh, Brad Wanamaker. Brad Wanamaker. Again, I know people hate him a great deal, but he was very good in this game. Five of nine shooting. He was a plus nine overall. I understand why people don't like him. He still doesn't pass in the fast break. I get it. But he is someone that can defend Eric Bledsoe if Eric Bledsoe was playing. Now, Eric Bledsoe and Pat Connington didn't play for them, so that's obviously an asterisk, you know. You can say, oh, hey, you know, the refs helped Giannis and all them out. And I'll be like, okay, yeah. And they were also missing two out of their top seven players. So <laughs> it kind of 
you, you really just can't blame the, the refs. But Brad Wanamaker is physical. I, I say it all the time. I'm a broad Brad Wanamaker fan, except when he's on a fast break. When he's on a fast break, I literally just close my eyes because I'm just like, nope, it's not going to help me. It's not going to help anyone else. So that's the Bucks game. You know, hard-fought game. Glad they came, came back. Glad they didn't give up because that's the type of atmosphere where you can give up. And it actually showed because if the Milwaukee Bucks were at the Bradley Center, is that what they call it now, the Bradley Center? Anyways, if the game was in Milwaukee, that game would have been a blowout because they have home court fans. And they, when the Celtics cut down the lead, the, the home court fans would have helped the Bucks boost their energy and the Celtics would have had no chance. So I'm glad the Celtics looked at it that way. And you can see that there are times where the Bucks really aren't that great without fans in front of them, kind of like the Philadelphia 76ers, you know? So think of it that way. So overall, bummed that they lost, but I think it could have been a lot worse. You're not going to have Tatum shoot 2 of 18 again. I understand that Tatum shot, I think there was a game in November where he shot 1 of 17. So it's a thing. It can definitely happen again. I just don't think it's going to happen again. And it kind of showed in the Portland Trailblazers game. But the first thing that comes up with the Portland Trailblazers game is like, what the hell do the Celtics do at halftime? Like, what the fudge ripple? Like, in plain English, what the fuck do the Celtics do at halftime? Do they take naps? Like, do they read each other, like, bedtime stories? Like, do they run, sui- like, lines? I was going to say suicides. I know you're not allowed to say that anymore, so I apologize. But that's what it used to be back in the day where you call it suicides. You run in the free throw line, three-point line, half-court line, et cetera, et cetera. But what do they do? Like, what do they do? Do they have, like, ice cream? Like, do they have pizza? Like, what do they do? Their third quarters this year suck. They just always come out flat, and I don't get it. I don't understand it at all. Like, their third quarters this year are what last year's team did in second quarters. They just sucked. They just sucked, sucked, sucked. Everything just sucked. I don't get it. This team can still not play a full game, and it is going to bite them in the hiney, right in the tush, right in the rear. Right in the bubble butt in play. Yeah, I'm going to call it that, the bubble butt, because they're in the bubble. Yeah, they're going to get right. They're going to get bit right in the bubble butt. They cannot come out flat. You cannot have a 19 or 20 point lead, whatever it was, going in to the, to the third quarter against a team that is fighting for their playoff lives to basically say, hey, we didn't come down all the way down here to sit in a bubble to leave after three weeks. I mean, maybe some of the players are like that. But I promise you, Dame Lillard is not like that. Dame Lillard is a bad, bad, bad man. He is so good at basketball. He is a killer out there. He has ice in his veins. He is so freaking good. I love Dame. I'm so glad he's going to be on the cover of NBA 2K21. I'm, I'm happy for him. But... You can, and you can't give me the rust argument either. They've already. This is now the fifth game that they've played at this point. Like, you, you, yeah, it just doesn't work. Like the Celtics had this issue in March, giving up big leads. They had a real hard time keeping up with big leads, and I don't get it. Like, they, I just don't get it. They're down. Like this team gets down eighteen, and they're like, "Let's go!" And then like they're up eighteen, and they're like, "La da 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 da." It absolutely drives me cuckoo for cocoa puffs. I don't understand it. I want to know what happens at halftime. I, I really do. Like, do they like? Do they smoke? Do they drink? Do they? I don't know. Do like? Do they get barbecue? Do they? I don't know. Just eat candy? 
like I don't know. It it like pot like do they load up on more carbs? Like do they have a bunch of pasta? I have so many questions. I know all of those things that I probably just asked are probably no's, but there's got to be some type of explanation on why they suck in the third quarter. I mean, it's alarming because come playoff time, like I just mentioned with the Milwaukee Bucks, you're not going to have the fans pick you up when they realize, oh crap, our 24-point lead is now down to a one-possession game late in the third quarter. You're not going to have hooligans and crazy people and nutcase fans cheering saying, pick it up. You're not going to do that. And sure, the virtual fans might be cool, but like that ain't going to do it. So they, I don't know, they got to figure it out because it, it is alarming to say the very least. But let's talk about some positivity now. Jason Tatum. Shout out to his barber. I almost made his barber the stud of the week in stud and dud, which we'll get to in a little bit. Because his haircut looks great and glad it's back. I am glad. I didn't like that Trey Young looking haircut. I'm sure he worked very hard to get there. Just like he worked very hard to connect his beard. And for someone who's trying to connect their beard currently, a.k.a. me, I get it. The struggle is real. Going through puberty sucks. It really and truly does. But I'm glad he shaved the head and it's back to normal Jason Tatum. I'm really glad. He scored over 30 points. But as much as we like to see Jason Tatum scoring over 30 points, to me, there is something that's even more important than his haircut and him scoring 30 points. You're probably saying to yourself, oh, is it like his new wristband that he's wearing? You know, the one that he used to wear for Kobe, but now it's like a zero, kind of like what Paul Pierce wore when it was 34. Oh my God, is Jason Tatum the next Paul Pierce? And he's going to be a Celtics forever? God, I hope so. But no, that's not it. Jason Tatum had eight assists in that Portland Trail Blazers game. And I've said this for a while now, but Jason Tatum's vision and playmaking when teams blitz and try and trap him is going to be vital for the Celtics. Jalen Brown was 6 of 6 in the fourth quarter. Do we all remember that? Yeah, he was unbelievable. Clutch shots, clutch three-pointers. That shot that he made over Nurkic, that turnaround fadeaway, it was almost like a double clutch fadeaway. The fact that he got that over or around Nurkic's hand, because Nurkic, Nurkic played great defense on it, was unbelievable. Unbelievable that he got that off. But here's the thing. 5 out of the six Jalen Brown baskets that he made in the fourth quarter came from Jason Tatum. The assists were from Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum had eight assists in that game. Guess how many shots the Celtics missed off of Jason Tatum assists? Zero. Every single time Jason Tatum passed the ball to someone and they caught it and shot it, it went in. Jason Tatum's passing. If Jason Tatum can get... 25 and 8 for us every night, that is going to be more important than him scoring 40 points a night. Because if Jalen can get 30 and Gordon can get 20 and Kemba is can also get 20, that's literally, you know, let's just say it's 25, 25, 20, and 20, okay? From those four guys, that's 90 points. You're really only going to need Smart, Cantor, Tice, Shemi, Brad Wanamaker to maybe score another 20 points. That's like four points each. I think that can happen. So Jason Tatum passing the ball, his vision is more important than him scoring the 32, 33, 34 points he, he did. Now, it was great to see because that two for 18 performance was 
atrocious and awful. But overall, Jason Tatum, if he can pass the ball like that and players can hit the shots when the other teams blitz and trap him, that's good. That is good news. I think I got a little too excited there. Got to bring myself back. But Jason Tatum's passing, folks. I'm telling you, if he can if he can be a playmaker like Hayward, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's good. It's good. Uh, speaking of, you know, catching the ball off of assists, Ennis Cantor, his hands are very important. And I know that sounds very weird, but when teams with good bigs like the Trailblazers or the Milwaukee Bucks defend the rim well, Celtics players are going to have to realize that Cantor can catch and finish at the rim probably better than anyone else on the team. Okay, he was a huge part of the reason why the Celtics expanded their lead to 24 points in the first half. Because players would drive to the rim, and Nurkic and Collins and Whiteside would come up and try and defend them, maybe block their shots, and they would just drop it to Cantor. Cantor was right there, he'd catch it, lay it in. It was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. And... There are times where we all may say, like, for example, in the fourth quarter, hey, Brad, why are you putting in this Cantor? And no, 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 stop. Where's Tice? But at times, Cantor is needed because hopefully defenders realize, oh, Jalen Brown's driving the lane. He's going to dump this off to Cantor for an easy two. Maybe I don't hedge as much as I should. And then Jalen can make his own decision whether to shoot it or drive closer to the basket and maybe even get to the free throw line. So I think that's a huge thing for the Celtics, absolutely. And because we're talking about Ennis Cantor, you know what this means. It's time for Cantor Banter. There you go. He's a man who loves to get a double-double, but when it comes to the Turkish government, he's in a lot of trouble. It's time for Cantor Banter, baby. Wow! Okay, Cantor Banter. Love to see it. Here we go. What else do we enjoy from the Portland Trailblazers game? Kemba Walker, 22 minutes this time. He looked great. He went 5 of 6 from the field. Like I mentioned earlier, he was clearly frustrated again. I get it. He just has to be patient. I mean, it would have been great to see him out there for the last 3 or 4 minutes of that game. Do you get what I'm saying? But, again, I'd rather have him be out there with 2 minutes left. Game 6, Eastern Conference Finals versus Game 2 of a eight game tournament to hopefully the Celtics get a good seed with no home court advantage. You know what I'm saying? Um, three point shooting from the Celtics. I mean, Tatum, Hayward and Brown were combined 15 of 21. You love to see that. That was great. But we also have to realize that this ain't going to happen every single night. And as great as it was to see Tatum get some shots going and Jalen Brown did not shoot the ball well going into, probably going into the fourth quarter. I mean, I think he was probably like, I think he was like 5 of 4 of 12, 5 of 12 going into that fourth quarter, and it showed, but Jalen didn't shoot the ball that great just to start the game. So we have to we have to remember that. And this Marcus Smart game, yeah, this is the type of Marcus Smart game I like. Three steals, four assists, five boards, zero points. Now, would I rather have him give us like 12 a night? Yeah. I would, because the 23 ain't going to cut it, because Marcus Smart being your leading scorer at 23 points, like I said, I ain't going to win you a lot of basketball games, but I really enjoyed the game for Marcus Smart. I thought he controlled the offense well, and he did what he had to do in that game, and it helped the Celtics win, absolutely. But once again, before we move on to stud and dead of the week, these leads, they, they either have to stay put or they have to expand. 
you can't let a team that's hungry get back into a get back into a game or get back into a series. Well, let's say the Celtics play the Pacers, okay? And it's game four. Celtics are up two to one. They have an eighteen point lead going into halftime. Can you imagine if they lost that game and now the series is two to two, and it's now going to be a best out of three versus winning game four and having being three to one, and now they only have they have one win to do to move on out of the next three games. Which one would you rather have? Win two out of three or win one out of three? So, yeah, the big leads just can't happen. But overall, if you take away maybe the last... Basically, if you take away the third quarter and maybe the first six minutes of the fourth quarter, so if you take away 18 out of the 48 minutes of that game, I thought the Celtics were terrific, and it showed why they're going to be a tough, tough out during the playoffs. Absolutely. So... With that being said, now that the week is technically over, let's do Stud and Dud of the Week. Hit the little jingle. And now, it is time for the Celtics Stud and the Celtics Dud of the Week. Okay, this week's stud and dud of the week. The stud is Gordon Hayward. If Gordon Hayward can do this night in and night out, I'm going to be smiling like a Mike Jones. Who? Mike Jones. That's right. I'm going to have a big ass smile on my face. 12 of 24 from the field. 4 of 8 from 3. Bunch of assists. Led the team in rebounds against the Trailblazers. I mean, when Gordon, like, like like I mentioned earlier, when Gordon goes ISO, and if he has people around that can shoot, it's going to be tough for teams to figure out how they're going to defend. Just like I mentioned with Jalen Brown, what are you going to do? Are you going to go up on him and so he can dump it off to Cantor, or are you going to let him be? But good luck, because Gordon Hayward, his elbow jumpers are money. That's his that's his jam. So good luck with that. He's the perfect third option, but he has to, and I'm going to say this again, has to keep this up. Gordon Hayward can't go quiet during during this run. I need Gordon Hayward. Uh, I need old Gordon Hayward back, and it looks like we're getting it. It may not be there fully because I don't think Gordon Hayward will ever be the same Utah Jazz player. We'll never get him. But if he keeps playing like this and he can help this team go really deep in the playoffs and be that third scoring option, like like I said, I have no problem with Kemba being the fourth scoring option, but if Hayward can be the third scoring option and also be our number one facilitator, that's great. That's all that I need. So the stud this week is Gordon Hayward, and I hope Gordon Hayward is also the stud this upcoming week as well. And the dud of the week, you guys know I don't like to do this, but it's Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens, I don't know. I know he's excited about wearing quarter zips and polos. I mean, he looks great in them, you know. The CBS collection, the Coach Brad Stevens collection, it's great. No one has better polos or quarter zips than him. I I love golf polos, and I love a good quarter zip. Oh, do I love a good quarter zip. But Brad Stevens puts th- that look on a, on a pedestal. Like, y- you can't reach it. But some of the, his decisions and some of the rotations and some of the challenges, just not ideal. Just I, I just wasn't happy with the way that he coached the team, especially late in the third quarter versus the Bucs when they really kind of crept back into it. They were a few possessions down, and then you look out in the court, and you're like, huh? No. Nope. Nope. But share that hurt. The rotations were hurt because, you know, Jalen Brown getting five fouls super early in Tatum being in foul trouble and Tice being in foul trouble. But there could have been a way to to kind of get around it. Like, 
I think with Giannis playing the five, you could have had maybe Tice out there while Robin Lopez was out there versus Cantor. But again, it's all I'm saying is it wasn't Brad Stevens' best weekend of coaching. I wasn't really happy about it. No one real sure Tatum's two of 18 wasn't great, but he came back on Sunday and just, you know, played very, very well. So I don't want to blame him or, you know, Tatum because he can't really be the dud, but I feel like I was towards Brad Stevens all weekend. So then gets him the dud of the week. So Gordon is the stud. Brad Stevens is the dud, the Butler connection. Let's preview the upcoming games this week before I let you go. Uh, Again, thanks for listening, Uh, whether it's on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, um, Stitcher, Podbean, or whatever podcast app you're listening to. Thanks so much for listening. So their first game is the Heat game, and that game is all about matching their intensity. If you are listening to the podcast today, the Heat are playing the Raptors at 1.30. A very important game, I think, for both teams. I think if the Raptors expand their lead, if the Raptors win, I think they will now be like three and a half games up on the Celtics. And then if they win, it will be back down. If the Celtics beat the Heat, then it will be down two and a half. But if the Heat lose back-to-back games here, because they're, this is their back-to-back, they play the, excuse me, they play the Raptors today at 1.30. And then they play the Celtics tomorrow night. So that's a very tough back-to-back stretch. And if they go 0 for 2 here, that will help the the Celtics expand their lead from the third to the fourth seed, which is huge. But then that could also really affect the Heat. They could go four to six. And which means we would play the Heat in the playoffs. But this team is very intense. They have a bunch of dogs out there. Jimmy Butler. Bam out of bio. They go 115% every single night, just like Marcus Smart. They just have Marcus Smart energy from top to bottom. They made the Nuggets look like they they didn't even belong in the bubble. They absolutely destroyed the Nuggets, and the Nuggets are one of the top three teams in the Western Conference. Yes, I understand the Nuggets didn't have Jamal Murray, but to shoot 55% from the field, 44% from three, and then have great defense, that's going to be tough. But the fact that it's the second night of a back-to-back, you don't know if the players' conditions are fully ready to go for that how to spolstra teach it or you know treat it is he does he understand that the the four versus the five versus the six seed really doesn't matter in the playoffs or does he want that four seed thinking home court advantage might help them even though that's really not a thing with that being said i believe over the weekend all the home teams that were listed as home teams were nine and two I think that's what I read, or eight and three, or something like that. So the home teams are winning. So I don't know if you want to call it home court advantage or not. But with this Heat game, match the level, the intensity. Jalen Brown needs to do a great job on Jimmy Butler. Don't let Bam Adebayo go crazy, and make sure Kelly Olynyk doesn't score twenty points because I think he scored twenty points against the Nuggets. I can't be down in a like watching this team in a bubble and have Kelly Olynyk go off like it's Game Seven of the second round versus the Washington Wizards. Nope, I can't do that. No. I mean, I was cheering for it, and I felt uncomfortable, so I, I can't do that again. Wednesday night, the Celtics' uh, first and final uh, back-to-back of the bubble. Uh, Wednesday night, 9 o'clock against the Nets. Hopefully I'll be a virtual fan. Um, the Nets are currently 1-1. One one. They lost to the Magic, and then they beat the Wizards. Again, nothing very impressive, but they have Levert. Um Carius Levert, and he's the type of player that can go off. And the Celtics are known for letting players go off and losing because of it. And that can't happen here. We could talk about Devin Booker. I mean, we could talk about Chris Middleton. You know, we could go on and on about all the different players that the Celtics have let go off in games, and they lose because of it. So 
I'm not really worried about anyone else on the Nets lineup. Sure, Daniel Tice has to do a great job on Jared Allen. I'm not really worried about anyone off the bench. Joe Harris, if he can get going, he's a great three-point shooter. But if the Celtics can keep up their good three-point shooting, knocking on wood there, then that will be great. So I'm not really worried about the Nets game. But again, just you're better than them. Don't overthink it. Don't. I don't know. I don't want to call it a trap game because I don't think the Nets are that good. But it could be a trap game, and it could make the Celtics either one and one and three in the bubble, or two and two, but hopefully three and one in the bubble. Hopefully they can beat the Nets and the Heat in back-to-back games. But then Friday, Friday's the big one. Friday's the big one. It's a huge, 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 huge game against the uh, Toronto Raptors. Holy brain fart, Batman! But yeah, against the Toronto Raptors. And if the Celtics can go three and be three and one going into this game, that would be great. The Raptors look good. They look real good. They they beat the Lakers over the weekend, and I don't think it was a, a really close game. I I didn't. A lot of these games down in the bubble have been close, but like that one, it was like the score was close, but I didn't I didn't feel like playoff atmosphere because this is the type of these are the type of games that Kyle Lowry loves to play, and that scares me because I hate Kyle Lowry. I think we all know that. I've said that a billion times, but Lowry versus Kemba is important. I think if Kemba can have Kyle Lowry run around and get a little tired. I think that will help the Celtics. Tatum versus Siakam, that's even more important. Siakam's a hell of a defender. Tatum's a hell of a defender. What are they going to do with Gasol? What are they going to do with Tice? But the bench, that's that's going to be the key here, I think. Smart, Wanamaker, Shemi, Grant, Cantor. Can they be better than Boshir and Abaka and uh, Norman Powell? Norman Powell's a great guy off the bench. Smart has to be better than him. Um, Shemi and Grant Williams have to be long and lengthy versus uh, Boshir or Boucher or however you pronounce it. I refuse to call it Boucher because it makes me think of Bobby Boucher from Waterboy. But, you know, can Cantor defend Abaka? Are we going to finally see the Time Lord because... The Time Lord and Ibaka are kind of built the same way. So, I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. Uh, Van Fleet, he's great. Who's going to guard him? Is it going to be Jalen? Is it going to be Gordon? Either way, Gordon or Jalen have to use their size against Van Fleet, especially in the post. Get to the free throw line. Get him in foul trouble because when Lowry goes out, he's the perfect guy to kind of take over the team's offense. So that will be very interesting as well. Anobi shot the ball very well against the Lakers the other night. Can he have another good shooting game? Because that definitely carried carry them. I think he went 8 of 9 or 9 of 10. So that will be super-duper important for them as well. So if we lose the Raptors game, like I'm perfectly content with it. But I I need to see a full 48-minute fight. I can't have them suck in the first quarter and then fight their way back and then get frustrated because of some BS call or because some shots weren't falling or because Kemba was on a minute restriction. Because Kemba still might be in a minute restriction. Kemba might only be playing 27 minutes in that game versus, you know, maybe a full 32 or 33. So, again, like I said a million times during the podcast, we have to be patient with this minute restriction thing with Kemba. We have to be. And then the final game of the weekend on Sunday at 5 p.m. against the Orlando Magic I don't like the Magic against the Celtics, and I mean that in a good way for the Magic, not for the Celtics. The Celtics, if you look over the last couple seasons, they've just never played against the Magic like very well, especially at the Garden. They are very athletic. They're very long. They're very lengthy. 
you know, you think the Celtics are are good at that too, but they're they're just not. They, it's just not a good matchup for them. Evan Fournier, he always plays well against the Celtics for whatever reason. You can't let him get hot. Kemba has to make an example of DJ Augustine. Like DJ Augustine is a great pro. He's a pro's pro, but he's he's their starting point guard. The Kemba's a, a gazillion years better than him. So take full advantage of that. Obviously, Jonathan Isaac tearing his ACL is a help, but Vujicic, Aaron Gordon, um, Bo Bomb, no. Is it Mo Bamba? I think last week I said Bo Bamba <laughs> by accident. And my, <laughs> oh man, so yeah, Mo Bamba. Ba- Either way, they're lengthy. You have to win the rebound battle. You won the rebound battle versus the Bucks, and you still lost, which is banana land to me. But it was because of your crappy start. But defend well, rebound well, don't let their athleticism get to you. At one point, I'm pretty sure during the Portland Trailblazers game, they didn't have any fast break points, which means the Celtics' transition defense was great, and you're going to need good transition defense against this Magic team as well. So make sure that happens. But uh, that's it uh, for this week of the Banner Bench Podcast. I know that was a lot of information, but hey, the NBA is back. The, you can actually say like the NBA is like really back. We're previewing games, recapping games, sudden dud of the week, canter banter. It's all back, and I'm really glad you guys were here for it. Thanks so much for listening to Episode 77 of the Banner Banter Podcast. We will talk next week for Episode 78. We'll have, uh, let's see, uh, two more games to preview, and then hopefully we know where the Celtics are in the playoffs, and maybe we can preview the start of the playoffs, which started on uh, August 17th. So, yeah, that's that. Thanks again so much for listening. We'll talk very, very soon. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.